Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give, to, to, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord, oh, out of the house of slavery. <laughs> Thank you. So we are, uh, we're in our third week in Deuteronomy. Uh, and these, these scriptures just have continually been uh, speaking to me throughout the week, and I, I just pray that they speak to you. Today, uh, our text is from chapter 6, verses 4 to 25. We read from 4 to 12. Uh, but the, the question that is going to get answered for us today is this. How do we love God with everything? How do we love God with everything? The text, or the crux of our text, is the very first verse that we read in, in verse um, 4. This is the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment is this. And it probably will sound familiar, even if you've never read Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. The reason why this would probably seem familiar to you is because we find this great commandment repeated three times in the New Testament by Jesus in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. And we see that they are repeated in two different types of scenarios. Uh, one scenario is right before the parable of the Good Samaritan, very famous parable. And in the other scenario, Jesus is debating the scribes and the Sadducees, uh, and they are trying to test him on the law. And they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 right here. And so the first thing that we want to understand about this statement that we're reading is that this is true no matter if we are in the Old Covenant or in the New Covenant. This is a truth that we live by. That eternal life is wrapped up in this command. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. This is a truth that we live by as we follow God. Uh, and this is not a theory that we live by. So, uh, you know... Uh, a lot of times we like to conceptualize things, and so how we do that is we do kind of a heart check, uh, sit down, ask myself, do I love God with everything? Let me, let me go check my heart real quick. Yeah, 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 I'm good. All right, let me get back to work and, um, and, and continue hating life and my neighbor and uh, everything about my work and all of these things around me. But as long as I do my, you know, my one second heart check and I find that, yeah, you know, I'm not lying to myself. I really do love God with everything. 
then we're good. But that is not what we're talking about. That's not what we're going to be diving in today. This is not a theory that we talk about. This is not a kind of goosebump feeling that we talk about that is preached in, in Scripture. This is uh, not something that you just randomly check in on. But this is... Something that if we live by this, it deeply affects everything in our life. Everything. It affects our daily routines. It affects what we do. It affects where we go. Our love for God has deep implications for our entire life. And that's what Moses is getting in here with the Israelites. So after Moses tells them this command... He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. After he says it, he says, all right, now that I said that, this is how you do it. And so in chapter 5, right before this, uh, last week we ended in chapter 4. We've skipped chapter 5 and we're on chapter 6 right now. What happens in chapter 5 is Moses starts a new sermon in Deuteronomy. He literally starts to preach through the law. And he starts by preaching uh, through the Ten Commandments. Uh, This is the second place that we find the Ten Commandments. The first time we find them is right uh, when they leave Egypt, when they're out of slavery in Exodus chapter 20. And Moses goes into the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments. Here's a funny Bible joke for you. Uh, You know, I got to give dad jokes nowadays. I got to keep up reputation. (laughs) We already got people laughing. I didn't even say it yet. This is great. I love it. So who is the worst sinner in the Bible? It is Moses. Why? Because he broke all Ten Commandments at once. (laughs) For those of you that don't get it, Moses came down from the mountain and was really mad at Israel because he was only gone for a little while and they started worshiping another god. So he gets so mad that he throws the Ten Commandments that he just got on the floor and he breaks them. So yes, there you go. There's my dad joke for the day. And so Moses, he reiterates the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. And then for almost all of the book, what he does is he preaches, how do you apply these commandments to your life and to the nation of Israel? What does it look like not only to hear and understand what this means, to actually live it out? And so the beginning of him living it out, of him teaching us how to live, is he starts off with the very first commandment. That is the greatest commandment, and it is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul. But how do you do that? This is what he is preaching in chapter 6. The first thing that he says in verse 7, that he teaches Israel, he says, You shall teach the law diligently to your children. How do you love God with everything that you are? First and foremost is you diligently teach the law to your, to your children. So teaching the law, if we were to make it practical for today, is what we would call discipleship today. This is an act of discipling. And he is saying that your children should be your disciples. And Moses uses this word. He says diligently teaching them. That means purposeful. That means it's well thought out. And that means it's intentional. This is not happenstance. This is not Accident. Last week when we were looking at Deuteronomy 4, we looked at how God is consuming, how God is jealous, how God is merciful, but also how God is generational. 
And a lot of times we look at our Christian walk and we think our decisions, whether good or bad, only affect me. But we don't think about the implications generationally of how it will affect our children and their children and their children. And so this is the third passage we're reading from Deuteronomy. And this is the third time that children are mentioned because they are important. We cannot ignore this. And what we have to realize today is that someone is going to disciple your kids. Somebody's going to do it. It may not be you, but someone is going to disciple them. You know, I grew up in church, and so I had friends since I was a baby in church. And uh, same schools, same neighborhood, and same church, but very different outcomes And truth be told, when I look back and when I was a youth pastor, I would kind of wrestle with this. Why do some church kids make it and some church kids don't? And the answer I kept on coming back to was some parents discipled their kids and some parents didn't. They were intentional about making sure they knew the things of God. They knew the character of God and the covenant God has with us. And so we can disciple our kids or they can be discipled by the world, by the media, by advertisements, by their school, by their professors. Uh, Many college kids go to college and they lose their faith. And the reason is, is because it's the first time somebody intellectually sat down with them and started to explain the world to them. They've never had somebody sit down on an intellectual level and say, this is why the world works and how it works. And so that is why we have so many people that go to college that go in, you know, Christian or believing in God and then walk out not believing in God because they've heard an articulate understanding for the universe and for creation and for intellect and religion for the first time outside of the home or outside of their church. And, you know, I I realized as I was reading this and um, a, a few months ago that. This was something that I wasn't doing with my kids, you know, and I was using the excuse, oh, they're young, you know, they don't understand much, uh, or I don't have time when I get home from work, I'm tired, and one day doing this leads to a week of doing this, leads to a month of doing this, leads to years of doing this. And I realized that uh, personally training my kids, being thought out and intentional with them was an afterthought. This was something that uh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Uh, And it wasn't priority. And so God convicted me about that and we changed. And this is what we started doing. Before we go to sleep, we used to uh, watch TV or or do something, some activity together. And so we decided this is what we're going to do together before we go to sleep. Uh, Daddy's going to have story time with the kids. And so they're going to learn a story in the Bible, whether it's Jacob and Esau or Abraham or Paul the Apostle, something. We're going to have story time. And then after we have story time, we all each take a turn and we pray with one another about what we just heard in the story about whatever they want to pray for. I need to start recording these prayers because they're pretty amazing. Um, And then after that, we each take a turn to preach. So we all sit down in chairs and then one of us, one of us has to go into the front and deliver a message. And Levi delivers very uh, articulate, these very passionate messages. He goes up, he goes, yeah. It's amazing. 
Uh, and sometimes Judah's throwing analogies of Power Rangers and Mickey Mouse in there. Uh, and, and then God somehow gets in there. It's incredible. Um, and then after that, we put on worship music, which usually ends up with very slow walking around the house like this with Judah and Levi. Um, but it's actually become one of my favorite routines to do with them now, uh, to really dive in and, learn, and, and see them learn about God and how it has began to affect our entire house and how we live throughout the day. And even if you don't have kids, in the New Testament, there's something that we see as spiritual children or making disciples of other people. And this has to be intentional. It has to be purposeful. It has to be thought out. It is something that as Christians, we are called to do. That we are not supposed to just keep our faith as individual, internal, but share with others, teach others, and diligently, purposefully walk them through it. The second thing Moses says, he says, You shall talk of them, or the law, the commandments, when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. So if I, were to, if, if, if I were to hang out with you on Tuesday and I'd go to work with you, I'd just you know, creep around for the whole day. I'd come after work, sit down and have dinner with you. And, you know, it gets late, we're hanging out a lot, and I just happen to sleep over after Netflix. I don't really want to go home. I'm tired. And so I sleep on your couch. What would that experience be like? Would I be able to find out who your first love is from that experience? Well, I, I would find out who your first love is from that experience. I guess the, the real question is, would you find out if you hung out with me for a day if my first love was God or not? See, this verse right here, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It should shatter the conception that Christianity is a once a week thing on Sunday for two hours. It should destroy that in our heads. And I pray that conviction happens in our heart. See, what Moses is preaching and what he's telling them is he's saying, he's saying this is a lifestyle. This affects you when you're chilling in your house. This is on your mind when you're taking a walk to the store. This is something that you are thinking about and something that you are talking about when you are going to sleep and when you are waking up in the morning. This is an everyday thing. This is God saying, I'm not asking you for a song on a Sunday. This is God modeling unconditional love for his people and saying, this is how you reflect it back to me. That I am not something that you, after an afterthought in your schedule that you throw in for a couple of hours, but when you love me, I affect your life. You're talking about me when you're at your house, when you're hanging out. You're thinking about me before you go to sleep. You're thinking about me when you wake up, when you are walking to the store, when you are doing your grocery shopping, when you are going out to the movies, when you are taking a walk around the block. You have me on your mind. This is what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all of your soul. Moses goes on. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You know, Jesus a lot of times speaks in hyperbole, and this is kind of what Moses dives into here. He's saying this is so important that you need to carry it with you everywhere. 
Literally, let it dangle in front of your eyes so that everything that you see as you watch it, that you are reminded of the law of God. You are reminded of who He is so that when you are making decisions, you are thinking about it. When you are just tearing across your day, when you're at work, that you are thinking about it. That the world that you are looking through a lens, you are looking through the lens of Scripture. That when you wear sunglasses and it colors what you see in the world, that's what scripture should do in your life. It should color everything that you see. You should see the world through scripture. It should indicate your worldview. It should indicate your understandings of everything in life, of politics, of family, of relationships. Everything should be colored through the lens of scripture. Find it on your hands. Let it literally be on your face so you always have it in your eyesight, no matter what you're doing. He says, you shall write write them on your doorsteps of your house and on your gates, on your doorposts and on your gates. This is him saying, let everybody see what your treasure is. Don't hide it. This is what you love. You know, I was thinking about this. I think of a teenager kind of in their house and they're on their bed and there's always like funny scenes in movies like the the young boy going through puberty and he sleeps and you get to see through his eyes when he wakes up in the morning and there's like some picture like Pamela Anderson on uh, Baywatch, like right on his ceiling or some rock band on the walls or, you know, nowadays I think it's like Ryan Gosling on the wall or, uh, you know, some, somebody like that. We, the things that we idolize and that we love and that we want, what do we do? We plaster them on, on our walls. And I was thinking as an adult, I started looking around my house. What is on my walls? And I started realizing that the things that Heather and I treasure have made it to our walls. These are the things that we hang up. I have, we have pictures of our boys on our walls. As soon as you walk into our living room, you get a nice, beautiful shot of one of Judah and one of Levi. And we, we love art. We love my, like, uh, different types of designed art. And those are hanging on our walls. We love scripture. And so you see scripture hanging on our walls. The things that we love, if it... This is really practical. I know this might be too practical for some of you, but look and see what what is on your walls. What do you hang up? What are the things that you treasure? What are the kind of pieces? It it may be a a group. It may be art. It may be, you know, where it speaks the things that we put up around us, uh, the things that really speak to what we treasure and what we love. I mean, I don't put things up on my wall. I don't have a habit of, of putting things up that I hate and I have to stare at that every day for the rest of my life. No, I put things up there generally that I like looking at and that I want to be reminded of. And so Moses is saying that put these on your door fronts, put these on the gates, let everybody see, let it be a public declaration of you love me, that I am first in your life. You can literally A simple act of hanging something on the wall or writing it is an act of saying, God, I'm declaring my love for you. I'm declaring that you are everything that I am and that I love. Moses then takes a break for a minute. He says, if you think this is too much, if you think I'm I'm overdoing it right now, this is how I hear Moses talking. 
right? If, if when you're chilling at your house or when you're walking to the store before you go to sleep or when you wake up or what you put on your walls or what you teach your kids, if all of this, if this is too much for you, if you think, God, you're going overboard, why are you making us love you so much? He gives us a reminder. He says, if you think this is too much, if you think I'm getting out of hand, I want you to remember something. Everything that you have is because of him. Not because of what you did. And Moses goes into this dialogue. He says, these cities that you live in, you did not build them. These cisterns that you draw water from, you did not dig them. These wells that you love to get life from, you did not make them. These vineyards that you pluck grapes from, that you get olives from, guess what? You did not grow them. Everything that you have is from me. He says, I took you out of captivity of Egypt and made you great. And gave you what you did not earn and what you did not deserve. And reading this, I mean the... The shadows of Jesus in this were just speaking so much life to me as I was reading this. If we do not see salvation and what Jesus has done for us when we start to hear this, I honestly don't know what will make you see it and what will make you hear it. Because I think of salvation and how it's something that I did not earn. It's not something that I can hang my hat on and say, look how much good I did that I have this joy and I have this peace and I have eternal life. But it's God saying, guess what? I decided to bring this to you. I decided to give this to you. And you have a salvation that you did not earn. You have a righteousness that you could not acquire. You have a sanctification that you could not have had without me. I decided to give you these things. And so the greatest commandment is you will love me with everything that you have. And then Moses comes back to his main point and he says, I told you what to do. Now let me tell you what not to do. Do not forget. You are going to be in a good time. You're going to be enjoying your blessing from God, your peace, the promised land and freedom. And you're going to be tempted to forget where you came from, to forget what I've done for you. He says, don't do it. Remember what God has done, especially when things are going well. Remember to stay grateful because it's so easy for us when things are going well. Actually, I'm doing pretty good. And so my righteousness is found in my good deeds. I haven't been sinning as much or I haven't been doing bad or, you know, I've, I've had a pretty stable area. So maybe I don't need to pray as much. Maybe I don't need to spend as much time in scripture. Maybe I don't need to really make God so public in my life. But Moses warns me, he says, this is how you love God with everything. Remember, don't forget what he's done. Don't follow other gods. Remember, he is jealous. Remember, he is consuming. And that will not end well for you because when you follow other gods, their path and their end is always in destruction. And our worship alone is for him and nothing else. And then he says, do not test him. Do not test him. This is another way of saying do not doubt him. You know, this is the same scripture that, you, that Jesus uses to fight the temptation of the devil. 
in the wilderness. The devil comes to him and he says, look, Jesus, you can throw yourself off here, off the sledge. And the angels there, it says in scripture, they're going to come. Why don't, why don't you do it? They're going to catch you. And Jesus says, well, scripture says, do not test God. And he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what, he's, what this is saying is essentially don't doubt him. If God said he was going to do something, you don't have to test him to see if he's going to do it. You take his word for it. That if God said that this is where this will lead you, if it will lead you to eternal life, it will lead you to peace, it will lead you to his blessing, you don't need to test him to see if it's true. You just say, God, if you said that, that is what it is. I'm doing it. If God says something, believe it, Moses said. It's the end of the story. There's no need to debate with him. And then after all this, your future will come and your kids will grow up. Your disciples will come to you and they will say, why do you serve him? Why do you love him this way? Why do you serve God? Why do you love him? Moses says, when they come to you and they ask you this, you will be able to recount to them all that he has done for you. You will be able to say, it was for our good. Even though I didn't see where we were going, I didn't understand why he was leading us this way, why he was telling us to go this way. When your kids come to you, And they say, why do you serve him? Why did you praise him? You'll be able to say to them, look at all he has done. Look at all he did. And I can look back in my life and say it was for our good. I may have not realized it back then. I may have not known it. But I didn't doubt it. I can look and say, he has led me in the right paths. He has given me straight ways to go down. And you will be able to say, at the end of life, you'll be able to say, we are preserved. This is what Moses is saying to Israel. You'll be able to say, at the end of their life, we have been made righteous because of it. And so my hope for us is this is that when we think about loving God, we don't think about goosebumps, we don't think about vibes, we don't think about just coming to church on Sunday, but we think about what it means to give all. We think about how it changes when we go to sleep. We think about how it changes when we wake up, how it changes our discipleship, how it changes our conversations, how it changes our going and it changes our coming, how it changes how we are at home and how it changes how we are at work. That if we truly love God with all that we are and we give Him our soul, we give Him our might, we give Him everything. I pray that it changes our understanding of what that means. Now, how we act at home changes. How we act when we walk around changes. In our discipleship, it changes. You know, we try to keep this as far from reality as possible so that it doesn't change the ordinary things of our life. But Moses here says, no, actually it changes the very ordinary things of your life. 
what you write on your walls, how you go to sleep, how you wake up, how you teach your kids. The very things that we say religion doesn't touch these things is the very thing that Moses says actually it touches all of these things. And when we compartmentalize God and we compartmentalize our life with Him, we're missing out what it truly means to serve Him and to love Him. And then at the end of our life, we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to say, God, you preserved us and you kept us righteous. That it is true that you gave me all the things I didn't deserve, all the things that... I walked into that I did not build. You are the reason for that. So let me pray this prayer with us. I just ask you to join me.